sauvons l'Afrique de l'injustice, que notre terre retrouve ses astuces, l'égalité de sexe, l'indifférence des rangs sociaux. Que la justice soit notre emblème. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on this hip deep edition of Afropop Worldwide. Today we focus on Goma, the capital city of the North Kivu province in the east of the Democratic Republic of Congo, where musicians create in the context of ongoing armed conflict, the aftermath of natural disaster and a climate of international intervention. Goma on the shores of Lake Kivu is part of the African Great Lakes region, where Central and East Africa meet. The city is a cultural, political and economic crossroads at the foot of an active volcano, Nyaragongo, which erupted in 2002, destroying almost half of the city. The people of Goma have suffered from man-made disaster for more than 20 years. Goma's infrastructure, cultural institutions, and social fabric were almost completely destroyed by two devastating international wars, triggered by the 1994 Rwandan genocide. Approximately five and a half million people have died. The city and surrounding areas have been overrun by rebel groups, national and international armies, UN security forces, and now international NGOs and humanitarian aid organizations have stepped in to replace a failed state. Parler de l'avenir avec une main au cœur La couleur de ma peau fait preuve d'une bravoure Et tam tam du Congo, le cri de l'activiste Les clochers du courroux, nostalgie au père On m'a pas venu à devenir Quelqu'un de bien dans l'avenir Seul c'est pas voir venir l'avenir Et le devenir dépend de nos souvenirs Alors Despite all these challenges, or perhaps because of them, musicians in Goma are lifting their voices in growing numbers, often with social and political messages. On today's program, we consider this music and the general resurgence of arts in Goma. We focus on the role NGOs, non-governmental organizations, are playing in this revival. Today, Congo Goma, music, conflict and NGOs. My name is Shireen Daliko. I am co-director of the Yole Africa Cultural Center in Goma. I am also a professor in the music department at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Sherry will be one of our guides to Goma. Her book, Necessary Noise, Music, Film and Charitable Imperialism in the East of Congo is due out in 2016 and we can't wait to read it. For this program, we had to make do with Skype calls and hotel meetings, working around her busy schedule. It might be going far to call Goma a hotbed of musical radicalism or artistic radicalism, but comparatively, it really is. Well, compared to the capital, Kinshasa, that is, where the musical order of the day is Congolese rumba. <laughs> Popular musicians in Kinshasa sing about overtly political or social themes, unless in support of the current regime. But many, if not most, musicians in Goma make songs that call for peace, justice, and an end to conflict. 
Some even openly criticize political authorities. Take Vifo Vinazidi by Benji. Benji demands, does the state exist? Well, that's almost a rhetorical question in North Kivu, which has hosted the United Nations mission MONUSCO since 1999. Enough death, war, rape, misery and suffering. Benji goes on to criticize Congolese politicians. We voted for you to defend our cause, not to justify your salaries. Well, this is a far cry from the party-friendly love songs of Congolese Rumba. Coming up, why musicians in Goma tackle these tough themes. I'm Georges Collinet with Congo Goma on Afropop Worldwide. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. Aujourd'hui, l'art au Congo, c'est Cheri Nalingio. Je t'aime, chérie. Je t'adore, bébé. Tu es à moi. Today in the Congo, everyone is singing I love you, baby. But considering the situation in our country, we are not here to sing about love. That's Maniso G, another young rapper. There are many messages we need to give, but the one that can touch the youth of Congo the most is to revolutionize our country. Producer Morgan Greenstreet heard a similar sentiment from many local artists in Goma. Absolutely. Most of the artists we spoke to sing these kind of socio-political messages. For example, the president of the local branch of the Congolese Musicians Union. Merci beaucoup. Je m'appelle Mac El Sambo. Je suis artiste musicien. My name is Mac El Sambo, artist engaged for the cause of humanity. Mac El Sambo is a reggae musician, and he's one of the pillars of the Goma music scene. Donc, je fais des chansons qui qui résistent contre toutes les oppressions. I make songs that resist all oppression, that condemn every kind of exploitation, such as neocolonialism, slavery, sexual exploitation, and the conflicts when people are forced to flee their homes, their areas, because a certain group of people, somewhere in an air-conditioned office, decided to make war. Que 
gâchette facile. Non, 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 non. À la gâchette facile. We're hearing Plus Jamais Par Les Armes. Macau Sambo sings Never Again With Guns Will Someone Become President. You don't liberate people by massacring them. According to Sherry, there are many environmental, social, and historical reasons why musicians in Goma might become more outspoken than those in Kinshasa. There's a very visceral set of realities that young people in Goma face that are different from the also very visceral set of realities that young people in Kinshasa, for example, face. Certainly the geographic location and the specific geographic struggles that come in the east of Congo. For example, volcanic eruptions, the isolation of the east from the west, which is the seat of power. Across 1,600 miles of rough road, Goma is about as distant from Kinshasa as you can get while still being in the Congo. Of course, these national borders were arbitrarily drawn by King Leopold of Belgium in the late 19th century. They do not reflect the cultural realities of peoples and languages. And historically, there have been periods where the, the nation was essentially divided. And not just linguistically, there were times when there was a travel ban and people physically couldn't get their bodies from one side of the country to the other side of the country. It was very easy to travel to all the rest of the East African countries from Goma. And so there was this real sense of belonging culturally, linguistically, economically to the east of Congo and feeling very, very cut off from the West. Goma sits on the border with Rwanda, the common language in North Kivu is Swahili, spoken across East Africa, not Lingala of Western Congo. There are also populations of Kenya-Rwanda-speaking peoples, refugees from the 1994 genocide in Rwanda, and local populations of Hutus and Tutsis who have lived in the region for hundreds of years. It's also very wealthy in terms of natural resources, which has positioned this region as a site of global pillaging. Well, the regional conflict is often portrayed as an ethnic dispute, but it is ultimately about securing access to mineral mines. Gold, cassiterite used to make tin and coltan, an essential element in laptops and cell phones. Well, to make a long story short, these economic conflicts are backed by multinational companies and foreign governments. But specifically all of these songs that you hear speaking out against war, speaking out against the kind of systemic and mass violence are more prevalent in Goma because that's the lived reality of the population. Social and political themes are just one facet of Goma's music scene. Producer Morgan Greenstreet tells us how the styles musicians in Goma choose also reflect their unique cultural position in the east of Congo. There's a diversity of popular styles and plenty of songs about love and dancing as well. According to local artists, Congolese rumba is still very popular in Goma, but so are more international styles. R&B, reggae, hip-hop, and recently Afrobeat. As in Nigerian music, and we're not talking about Fela Kuti. 
In Goma, Afrobeat is what local musicians call the contemporary pop sound of Lagos, sometimes known internationally as Afrobeats with an S. Whatever you call it, this style is dominating dance floors across the continent. Makal Sambo. These days, everyone wants to put out a song with a purely Nigerian rhythm. Nigerian. We're hearing Pola by 18-year-old Inos B, by far the most widely recognized artist from Goma. At age 16, he won an American Idol-style contest organized by Vodacom, recorded with Akon, and toured Europe and the U.S. No socio-political messages here. The style in vogue is Afrobeat. Everyone is doing Afrobeat now. If you want to spread your message, you have to do it with Afrobeat. That's Bismarck Buira. He describes his own style as tradi modern, a kind of localized rumba fused with traditional rhythms and sung in the languages of smaller ethnic groups in the region, especially Kiunde. There's a diversity of musical traditions that coexist. I work most prominently with the artists who designate as hip-hop artists, and that is very much aligned with the sort of social justice conception of hip-hop in the global south, if you will. There is a vibrant Swahili language hip-hop scene in East Africa, and some rappers we spoke with cite influences from Tanzania alongside Biggie and Tupac. Many also describe their music in socio-political terms. My name is DJ Couleur. I make conscious rap, the music of combatants, the music of resistance. La musique des résistants. This style helps me to express out loud what others say quietly. I make hip-hop music with the goal of changing bad governance and celebrating good governance. Hip-hop interests me because people always told me that it has an African origin, and I am from Africa. That's Masheka Konyoni, a.k.a. Braza G. It's also the origin of the struggle, of revolution. So if I am a revolutionary, I should love hip-hop. Hip-hop 
bien et sans c'est donner sens à des sémences Et c'est que c'est pas facile défendre les hommes c'est mal à tirer Et c'est que c'est pas facile défendre les hommes c'est mal à tirer Et c'est que c'est pas facile défendre les hommes c'est mal à tirer c'est pas facile de défendre les hommes, c'est ma nature. Et c'est que c'est pas facile de défendre les hommes, c'est ma nature. Défendre les hommes, by Braza G. C'est pas facile de défendre les hommes, c'est ma nature. The French chorus translates as I know it's not easy, but defending people is my nature. Et c'est que c'est pas facile de défendre les hommes, c'est ma nature. According to Sherin Daliko, this social justice hip-hop is closely connected to Petna Ndaliko Katandolo, filmmaker, artist, and founder of Yole Africa Cultural Center, an important radical artistic hub of Goma, Petna's hometown. We call like Yole an art and cultural center, but it is beyond that. It's an educational center. To be safe, when Yole was created, it was just to give it a connotation of art, because art is harmless. It is through art that uh, we manage to engage the community in critical thinking. Yole Africa offers ongoing classes in computer literacy, beat making, filmmaking and more. Every July for the past 10 years, Yole has hosted the Salam Kivu International Film Festival. 10 days of cinema, music, dance and education that attracts artists, activists from around the world. So Petna is the catalyst of a huge portion of the more radical art scene in Goma. And he is an artistic militant, period. He's a fundamentally and profoundly nonviolent person, and he is the most militant artist I've met in the region. In case you were wondering, Petna is also Sherry's husband. He founded Yole Africa in 2002, just after the volcanic eruption, at a time when the music and art scene had almost completely disappeared. There was no money, no patrons, no audience for the musicians. And Petna called a meeting with the local artist. And I told them, like, look, we have so many already here. Why can't we start becoming the audience of the other artists? And that's, that's how it bloomed, it bloomed again. Yoli Africa became a place for hip-hop artists to meet and perform. People were making hip-hop music, but hip-hop music didn't have a space. But when we started Yole, we created a space which was called Jam Session, and it was open to all the hip-hop artists. And uh, we started, you know, with uh, less than 40 people attending the Jam Session this Saturday. But within uh, three months, it was packed. Every day, over 500 people will attend it. It was uh, the only like weekly rendezvous of hip-hop music. And the difference the hip-hop brought in was most of the hip-hop was socially engaged. The hip-hop artists were singing what people wanted to express, what people wanted to hear as well. Somebody saying what they're thinking loud. Well, it was also Petna's work that influenced these artists to address socio-political themes. For example, Agizo Yalumumba which translates as Lumumba's legacy. Promesse aux frères des races de réélever la tête, de regarder en face, et l'avenir qui promet la délivrance. De richesse, de grandeur, c'est désormais tienne. De richesse, de grandeur, c'est désormais tienne. L'histoire est défait dans un ciel sans couleur. Les chaleurs étouffrant des crayons brillantes. Déserte ma terre, même lutte des ancêtres. Martyrise la tyrannie, risque de le mettre. La terre mère, terre qui t'y porte au cœur. Et tu feras du Congo, les terres prospèrent. 
voit, on rose tout ce que l'on voit Des affaires la justice, au nom de la justice Avant c'est courant, debout au même rang on réclame la justice, au nom de la justice. On a tous deux droits, on rose tout ce qu'on voit. Des affaires, la justice, au nom de la justice. Avant c'est courant, des bourgs au même rang. On réclame la justice. This song, Agizo Yalumumba, and the accompanying video came out of a workshop Betna gave during the 2013 Salam Kibu Film Festival. He gave the artists an exercise. How do you enter in a conversation with the past so that you know where you're standing in the present and project a different feature? Five rappers, including DJ Couleur and Binji, worked with a poem by Patrice Lumumba, Congo's independence leader and first democratically elected prime minister in 1960. Just six months into his term, Lumumba was assassinated by Belgian and Congolese operatives with US and UN complicity, deferring the dream of independence and national sovereignty of the Congolese. The Congo has been ruled by undemocratic, internationally supported regimes ever since. On réclame la justice. la misère. Pour te faire oublier que toi t'étais un homme. On t'a appris à chanter les louanges dédiées. Et ces divers cantiques. Un rythme à ton calvaire. T'es dans l'espoir à une vie et un monde meilleur. Mais ton cœur créature humaine, tu ne demandes cœur. It was a perfect collaboration because I had my filmmakers working with the musicians and beatmakers and then also they came to work with dancers. So it was like that video represents the soul of Yole Africa. Reviving Lumumba's legacy of radical nationalism is an ongoing project at Yole Africa. Sherry told us that in 2010, only four of 300 students knew about Lumumba. In 2015, most of the artists we interviewed claimed him as an influence. Lumumba is an idol for me because he carries the spirit of the truth. DJ Kula. He inspired me to have no fear, to tell the truth to the community. I'm no longer afraid of dying. We can die, but the message will remain. And our descendants will hear this truth, as we have heard the truth Lumumba left for us. Visit Afropop.org to watch the video from Yole Africa's Art on the Frontline series and read our complete interview with Petna Ndaliko. helped us understand why socially engaged artists in Goma choose hip-hop over other styles, especially rumba. The hip-hop artists, they're like dissociating themselves from the rumba. You know, the rumba uh, goes with politics. Look at it. Gran Calais was a friend of Lumumba. Franco was a friend of Mobutu. Today, Kabila is a friend of Son. And I think the youth embracing hip-hop was a way of saying, no, we want to be completely out of that marriage with politicians. So because for them it was much more a social message.
La politique, c'est pas vraiment mon truc, pas très. Politics is not really my thing. I am a revolutionary rapper, but not a politician. That's Placide Muhinder. So, if rumba equals politics, what does that make revolutionary rap? Social music? Here's his collaborator, Cartez. Je trouve politique, à dire que je fais une musique politique, c'est orienter ma musique vers un côté. I understand political to mean that I would orient my music to one side or another and risk forcing the truth. I stay clean. I call my rap social rap. We're hearing Atacama from Placide Muhinder and Cartes. In fact, musicians of all genres in Goma unanimously reject the term political as a description of what they do. My music isn't political. It is apolitical. But when politicians act up, I have no problem denouncing all that. That's Wani S. King. We're hearing his recent song, Wale Wale, released in anticipation of the 2016 elections. We don't want to see the same people with the same empty promises. It's always the same people. I'm raising awareness of the need for positive change in my country. Mac El Sambo. Disons ma musique politique, non, je préfère dire humanitaire. Call my music political? No, I prefer humanist. Because my music is on the side of the majority of the population who are victims of all that we suffer. All of this was obvious to Cherie and Daliko. In Congo, the term political is affiliated with dishonesty, manipulation, and lies. So when people in a Western context think about political musicians, they think about people who are political activists who have a strong stance. In Congo, the term political is a pejorative term that describes manipulation and corruption and inefficacy, to put it politely. Um, so nobody wants to be described as that. Instead, artists often refer to themselves using the French words engagé, révolutionnaire, or activiste. 
engaged, revolutionary, or activist. All of those terms carve out territory in this set of relationships with international NGOs and international humanitarian organizations that are important for the survival of artists. Coming up, the influence of NGOs in Goma, negative and positive. And visit afropop.org for more on the musicians of Congo Goma. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. organizations from local arts-based Yole Africa to massive international NGOs like UNICEF play a big role in the arts scene of Goma because there's simply no real local patronage. Every crisis in the last 20 years has brought a new wave of international NGOs supposedly serving the region temporarily. Goma is now host to over 100 NGOs with varying agendas. The city is becoming what Belgian sociologist Karen Boucher calls an NGO pole, reconfirming all colonial structures of inequality and social and spatial segregation. Boucher describes a wealthy city center full of gated houses for NGO workers, surrounded by impoverished neighborhoods and refugee camps. An influx of US dollars into the local market artificially raises prices and locals become reliant on NGOs for basic needs. Any kid who is like, a, you know, under 30 now in Goma cannot pretend that they know a functioning government. The only thing they know now, it is an NGO era. Petna is concerned about the impact of NGOs on the artistic culture. And the artistic manager, that's the generation of NGOs who are like, oh, we are here to solve, you know, the problem by singing the problem. They will sing the cholera song, they will sing the HIV song, they will sing the uh, child soldier song. So what is it like to have NGOs as the major arts patrons? Well, for starters, they often commission music from local artists for their campaigns. Music is the conduit of all kinds of information with NGOs. Music has been used as a tool of education about voting rights and democracy. It's, I mean, it's everything. Environmental awareness and clean water initiatives and educate girls initiatives. And it's, it's actually harder to think of a subject that hasn't had some sort of musical sensitization and that's that's what the word that you'll hear artists say all the time. If this seems strange, just remember, the song We Are The World was commissioned by USA for Africa in 1984. But if these NGOs are out to raise awareness, why is it so hard to find the music they sponsor on the internet? Well, that's because these songs mostly circulate locally, via radio. Some are used to appeal to private donors, and some NGOs sponsor songs for artists without attaching their names to the product to make the message seem more organic. Now, for 
might recognize that as a Swahili language version of Pharrell Williams' super hit, Happy, produced by an apparently local NGO, Kivu Youth Entertainment, but funded by Human Rights Watch, UNICEF, and others as a back-to-school initiative. You wouldn't necessarily know that unless you look for it. And it's a very interesting practice of crafting the songs. You know, an NGO will commission an artist and the artist will write the song and bring the lyrics and the NGO will correct them and the artist will then respond to the corrections and there's a big back and forth until the NGO is is satisfied and they pay a fee for the song and it's it's very much like commissioning artisan labor to me that's very different from empowering musical and artistic autonomy and creativity and you know having the conversations that help people develop their aesthetic sensibilities or their stylistic sensibilities those are very very different activities let's hear some examples starting with the founder of Congolese reggae music Mac El Sambo I've collaborated with many NGOs because an artist needs to profit from what God has put inside him. What is the experience? They have their domain of intervention. If they like what I do, I transmit their message. So for example, Mercy Corps, they propose a project to you and not to just anyone. They call on artists who are popular, and they select you based on what you compose, the things that interest you. Mac recently worked with Mercy Corps and a group of 11 local musicians as the artistic director on a project about food security, encouraging farmers in rural areas to stick to their fields in tough times. They gave us the things which were changing perceptions about fieldwork and saving money. We worked for five months, sending demos, finding a rhythm that the population would appreciate. They made corrections, you need to take that out, that's not good. They had no comments on the melody or the rhythm, but we had to work hard on the lyrics so that their message would be well transmitted. We're hearing Simama, commissioned by Mercy Corps with USAID funding. 
C'était une très belle expérience. It was a beautiful experience. Some artists will say that we're limited when we work with an NGO. I don't agree, because NGOs have the means at their disposal that we don't have. It's an opportunity to transmit something as a message to rebuild the society. Sherry let us know that it is Michael Sambo's policy to only speak about his positive collaborations with NGOs. As he hinted, not all artists have such positive experience. In fact, this project was an exception, even for him. Wani S. King described his collaboration with Search for Common Ground, an international NGO working for sustainable peace and conflict resolution. We did an album called Peaceful Cohabitation. The lyrics that I wanted to develop were really direct. You know, there isn't freedom of expression here. The theme was meaning it's not good. So I went for the leadership, saying it's not good the way they run the country, the way they promise things but don't deliver. But the NGO made me remove that. Remember Wani S. King's song Wale Wale, which he released on his own? Well, his direct message to politicians is causing a stir in North Kivu. According to Petna, Wale Wale has been banned from radio play by the local authorities. This is the only recent case of outright censorship that we heard about. Some artists do not want to work with NGOs at all. DJ Couleur. That's showbiz, but I'm an engaged artist. The solution will come from here, not from foreign organizations. They come here to exploit me. Better off working alone, without NGOs. Another young rapper, Jobson Madibo, agreed. I've never worked with NGOs because I was raised in a way where I should go seek for myself instead of waiting for someone to give me aid. I need to find my own way to get my message out. On vit la voix de nos choix, comment s'y porte sa croix Quand on vise la gloire, on merde les dents serrées Parcours fatal des majestiges par la RDC Qui viserait tomber comme un fils de la guerre Toujours le même système qui trahisse le peuple Ils ont truqué les élections et martyrisé nos frères On vote pour ou contre, l'histoire restait la même Et guerre se perdait les vies, c'est mon combat perdu J'avance les noirs, la marque des roues Besoin d'épée, d'égalité, dénonce les meurtriers Wani 
je vote les changements, mais pas mes dirigeants. Mambo Badiliki, Nami Keshoni Cheke, je vote que l'unité. Sherry and Petna told us about a situation that hit close to home. Well, uh, we had these uh, NGOs which they approached Yole Africa and wanted to make this campaign song about the cholera epidemic, which was becoming at that time a serious situation in the community. Petna and his co-director's response shows how Yole Africa operates within the community. Instead of imposing the cholera theme on local artists, they held a meeting to discuss problems facing the community and created a forum for them to identify viable solutions. In a community meeting, of course, without even saying anything, people talk about the cholera being a problem. And then we say, okay, so as artists, have you ever composed or think about, uh, do anything about cholera? And some of them are like, oh yeah, 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 we have ideas about it. And the result was, okay, if anybody has uh, any text or song about that, can you submit it at Yola and then we read it? They brought tons of beautiful text. Yole organized the competition on the theme. A group of young rappers, including Jobson Madibo and Binji, won the jury's vote for best addressing the situation. And it was really interesting because their diagnosis for preventing the spread of cholera was was a radical one that said if international NGOs, if the international community wants to do something to reduce the spread of cholera in Congo, stop backing the rebel armies that are pushing people off their land and into IDP camps because if they weren't in those camps, cholera would not be spreading there. So if you actually want to do something that's a meaningful intervention, stop backing your own governments that are funding these proxy armies and that are arming the proxy armies and that are training the proxy armies. Stop doing that. Get the people in your own countries to be aware of what their foreign policy is doing, that it's your foreign policy that is creating the spread of cholera here. Kongo <laughs> That was Mazao. You reap what you saw in Swahili by Jobson Madibo, DMD, Falji, and Binji on a beat by Bokande MP3. You can read the translated lyrics and watch the music video at afropop.org. As you might expect, this foreign policy response was not what the NGO was looking for. But, well, they agreed to fund the recording of Mazao anyway, on the condition that they also got a song about hand-washing to prevent the spread of cholera. 
We're hearing Sote Tunewa, the hand-washing song performed by Frank Mwepu and Williston Paluku, better known locally as theater actors. The difference in content and sound between that song and Mazao is striking. That is a artistic response from the community when they are not beholden to NGO negotiations over the over the content of the song when they aren't beholden to a contract, right? When they're actually speaking as artists in the community. Putting those two songs back to back. It's incredible how radical the effect is of, you know, trying to appeal to uh, an organizational mandate. Experiences like this have left Sheri and Petna deeply troubled by the effects of NGO involvement in the arts in Goma. The NGO culture, I call it the killing art system because it's turning uh, artists into propagandists. Artists are no longer uh, standing for what they believe, you know, question, question, question the social life every day. And what is coming out, it is exactly reproduce the programs of NGOs which does not fit in what the community wants, that it is contributing to much more destruction than construction. In dozens of interviews with local musicians, certain French words reoccur. Sensibilisation, which we could translate as raising awareness. Encadrement des jeunes, mentoring, helping out the youth. Cohabitation pacifique, peaceful cohabitation, and on and on. Artists are using the language of international humanitarian organizations to talk about their music and adapting the themes of NGO programs in the hopes of attracting sponsorship. Here's young musician and lawyer Majestic Legend. I worked on a message of peace and also raising awareness about child soldiers. When there is fire everywhere, human rights are no longer respected. There are children carrying Kalashnikovs. However, there are organizations who are supposed to keep watch against that. We are supposed to keep children out of all these things. At the end of this song, The World on Fire, Majestic Legend shouts out, Monusco, Dede Er Er, 
That's the UN's acronym for Disarmament, Demobilization, Rehabilitation, and Reintegration. And he appeals to UNICEF to take care of the children. We don't want any more child soldiers. Majestic Legend submitted his music to UNICEF, proposing a collaborative project about child soldiers. But his proposal was rejected for reasons unknown. Then there's J.C. Wenga, who works for the Foyer Culturel de Goma, another local cultural center funded by an NGO, En Avant Les Enfants, and Don Bosco, an international Catholic charity. I've collaborated with international NGOs when they need to raise awareness about peace, about the environment, about AIDS, about the rights of children. There's always a collaboration to do. If I happen to write about how children should be treated, and an NGO also has a message to get out about that, and they use my song in their campaign, it's a plus for me, because then new people will discover what I do. I benefit from their communication because the works will be published and shared. There is a much larger potential impact of art. The risk of diluting that with uh, situations where artists are mouthpieces of power that are not ultimately serving the autonomy of the local community is a very, very dangerous dynamic. Because it dilutes the most potent tool of autonomy. As soon as art is for sale, as soon as creativity is for sale, as soon as foreign entities have the option of coming in and masquerading as collaborators with locals, the real potency of art as a form of resistance becomes diluted because people can't hear the difference. I'm not waiting for Michael Jackson to heal. I'm looking at Jesus because he sealed the deal. I can feel that he hurts. NGOs are not intentionally undermining the local art scene. Sherry tells us that they are simply unaware of how they are actions play into historical dynamics in the Congo. In order to understand why these NGO-artist relationships are so problematic, we need to go back to two very important figures of Congolese history, Patrice Lumumba and Mobutu Sese Seko, who overthrew Lumumba's legitimate government in September 1960 with an internationally-backed military coup. Lumumba had a very strong understanding of the potency of culture to galvanize the kind of nationalism that he was advocating that would prevent neo-colonial relationships from extending the colonial project. He understood that culture was absolutely critical for that project, that culture is a thing that can create a kind of unity that doesn't exist automatically in the wake of a colonial experience. Mobutu 
Mobutu, who was a close disciple of Lumumba, understood how powerful Lumumba's engagement with culture was in galvanizing popular support. So Mobutu took the rhetoric of this project as set forth by Lumumba, and he capitalized on it in a very structured way that created a very specific relationship between artists and the state. Mobutu ruled the country for three decades as a dictator. He stole the Congo's wealth for his personal profit, just as King Leopold and the Belgians had done before him with international support. As long as Mobutu allowed foreign business in the Congo, world leaders turned a blind eye to his atrocities and theft. Through a combination of patronage and intimidation, he used musicians as his messengers to the people. The musicians in particular were the mouthpieces of politics, period. And the musicians were the ones who made all of the most important political announcements. And the musicians were the ones who had the power to get people to cooperate with policy change. Mobutu did not give public announcements without having the appropriate musician to win over whichever crowd he was speaking to. And so part of what I uh, have observed in my work in Congo is that many of the mechanisms that Mobutu set in motion are reactivated by the kind of relationships that exist between the community and between many of the NGO and humanitarian organizations in the region. The power-holding entities in that configuration are no longer the state, they're now part of this international body, but they hold power nonetheless. They have a very specific set of objectives. They have very specific organizational criteria that describe how to go about meeting those objectives, and they recognize the power of music in achieving that. And that's very different from a configuration that looks to artists, musicians, filmmakers, all different uh, genres of artists, from a more Lumumbist perspective, as I would analyze it, as those members of society whose skills are able to articulate the ineffable and galvanize a kind of unity that grows out of autonomy and insight. Those are just two different sets of relationships. Who taught you love the color of your skin? Black astronauts. Do you know where your home at that your name ain't what they gave us? Your slang is like an alien language? Huh. Black girl on the moon. So fly like a comet. Had to comment. Wanna dive in your black hole with a black hole, make a black diamond. Master, honneur, la force du noir est super. Gangster, bon cœur, c'est le reflet de ma douleur. Mystère, ébène, beautiful et ma couleur. Dans la paire, et la paire réside tout mon power. Petna and Shirin Daliko try to work from that Lumumbist perspective of the power of art. Cultivating art is crucial because it has the potential to create agency, critical thinking, and a set of skills that enables people to take action in their world. That to me is fundamental and transformative. Who taught you to love yourself? Who taught you to love the shape of your nose? Who taught you to love the size of your lips? Who taught you to love the color of your skin? We give Petna the last word. 
they've decided that the brutality which the capitalism is coming with, the brutality which the NGOs are coming, we will fight with the beauty. That's how we're gonna counteract all that destruction. Artists in Goma are profoundly affected by their extreme conditions. War, poverty, corruption, and international intervention. Some artists speak out with social and political messages, but they often do so under the influence of local and foreign activists and NGOs. We've heard how the dynamics of Congolese history still echo in these relationships, from Lumumbi's social justice music to, dare we say, Mobutist or imperialist NGO commissioned propaganda. How will these dynamics evolve as the music scene grows in Goma? Well, that remains to be seen and heard. But right now, we need to thank our sponsors. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International affiliate stations around the US. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Thanks to Nadia Fazal, Ganza Buroko, Makel Sambo, Sherry, and Petnan Daliko, and the whole Yole Africa crew for their help with this program. And a special thanks to Banning Air for his meticulous and patient editing, and Rafia for contributing her lovely voice to this program. Be sure to visit afropop.org for interviews, videos, and more information about the artists featured in this show. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Morgan Green Street. And join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan and Stephanie Lebeau. Banning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Atane Ofiadja. And I am Georges Collinet. Perdu dans les silences, j'y crois encore. Seul devant une glace, je m'y remets de fort. Au côté de l'insouciance, on sent mon fort. C'est pour ça que j'avance en tant qu'on se retorne. Mais j'essaye, chiendre le coup à toute épreuve. Même si c'est dur, c'est un siècle. Chiendre le coup à toute épreuve. C'est parti,